Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Gigabit Nation. Our guest today is Virgil Turner, who is the Director of Innovation and Citizen Engagement for the City of Montrose, Colorado. Um, this was recorded yesterday, uh, my interview, and uh, I joked with um, Virgil that uh, I, I wondered if the, they created the title because they knew he was going to be dealing with uh, broadband responsibility, or did they give him the broadband responsibility and then uh, did their hunt for a title afterwards? His response was the following. So, Virgil, which one is it? Hey, great question, and uh, really great to be on the show with you, Craig. Um, you know, it's probably the latter. We, uh, I've been working on broadband since the early 90s. Um, certainly, my title has been different uh, up until just a few years ago. Um, I think the title uh, represents... Uh, the outlook and the uh, focus on the community, uh, our, our our city administration, to uh, to be innovative as a community and not just with broadband, but a lot of other initiatives that I'm working on. And so I think uh, the the title speaks to that, uh, the innovation in our community, and our outreach to the community. Excellent, excellent. Now, I, I asked you to be on the show um, because there's a lot of great stuff going on in the state of Colorado, and uh, and you guys happen to be one of those movers and shakers because you've been at this for a little bit. Um, but I also wanted to talk about, and I'll talk in the later about the show, about the uh, the funding aspect of the broadband project because I just released a new report that uh, addresses the issue of how communities can get new um, methods of funding their their networks. But uh, let, let's start with with um, you know with Montrose and what you guys are up to. What is or has been the history to date of the broadband project um, in 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 Montrose? Sure. So, um, as I mentioned earlier, I've been at this for a, a few years. I don't know if that speaks to uh, my lack of getting things done or just uh, how hard <laughs> this job is. But um, uh, you know, it's it's uh, it's a story that's probably not unique to Montrose. It's a story that we hear when I talk to um, my uh, colleagues and other. Uh, rural communities in whatever state we're talking about. And so it's a story of uh, uh, having um, a, a lack of capital investment uh, that is not keeping up, a, uh, capital investment that's not keeping up with the needs of our community uh, from a telecommunications standpoint. Um, certainly we've we've had great uh, service when uh, we were only talking about dial tone, uh, when we were talking about uh, cable television. Um, but as we started to move into uh, the needs of having uh, an advanced telecommunication system, 
um, the the investment just never happened in our community and communities throughout the country. Um, we have a lot of windshield time between the customers, um, although Montrose itself is uh, fairly urban for a, a rural community. Um, and, and But yet still uh, we are hearing that um, there's just not enough return on investment to, to make a capital investment by our incumbent telecom providers in Montrose. And that's the same story we've heard throughout the country. Um, mm-hmm. And so we decided to, uh, you know, about three years ago, two and a half years ago, we decided that um, we were no longer going to um, uh, just let uh, the chips fall where they may. We uh, are a, uh, we're a community a western uh, frontier spirit that feels if uh, something needs done, uh, yeah, we're not going to wait around for somebody to do it for us. And so uh, we've really been working for the, in, in dilig- uh, diligently for the last few years uh, trying to figure out a way to make this happen in Montrose. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, you know, it's uh, two years ago, or 18 months ago, actually, about, um, uh, about the 1st of April 2014, uh, we... Uh, put a ballot measure on our uh, municipal election uh, to exempt ourselves from a uh, state bill um, that was passed in 2005 that prohibited municipal um, municipal governments or governments of any flavor uh, to from getting into the uh, retail uh, broadband provision business. And so um, that's been um, when we were looking at ways to solve our own problem that that issue kept coming up <clears throat> as our big roadblock and we decided to take matters in our own hand we were the third uh, city in the state of Colorado to to go that route and uh, we got a lot of people following after us uh, last November 12 communities and counties in Colorado uh, passed a similar measure. And uh, this coming November, uh, election day this November, I don't have a count yet, but uh, it's going to be uh, uh, many times that we'll be oh, wow. uh, really? taking. Yes, it's uh, everyone in uh, probably six counties around us, um, including the counties and municipalities, are are planning on a measure and uh i've heard this uh, same same refrain all over the state so we we expect to see a huge a huge um uh a wash across the state of of communities that are taking matters into their own hands mm-hmm. now one thing i should you know mention most for the benefit of our our, our audience and that is Often people read about or hear about the 21 states that have restrictions of one sort or another, but the uh, severity of those restrictions are are varied. And as a result, um, states such as North Carolina, they pretty much have a lockdown on any kind of um, municipality owning a network in any way, form, or shape. In Colorado, 
you have the requirement for the um, ballot measure, but it's not necessarily the kiss of doom because, like, unlike uh, a decade ago, where these um, projects or these these referendums were just dead on arrival at the voting booth, that that was now you know things have changed, and as a result, uh, well, you see what you're you're having in in Colorado where you have a, a number of those communities are probably going to pass their 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 uh, referend, referendums. I, I yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So Colorado, I, I would consider us uh, fortunate. Um, if you can consider having any type of restriction on municipal broadband, uh, fortunate. Um, in Colorado, as you mentioned, um, we do have the ability to hold a single issue election of our um, of our voters. Uh, that, uh, upon majority vote, uh, our voters can give us permission to exempt ourselves from the state law. Others that. Uh, um, when the state law was enacted in 2005, there were some communities already in this business. Uh, those communities were exempted in the state law. But uh, having this option for an election has uh, has really helped us uh, get through this. Uh, this the the proposed uh, or the, the in 2005 the the legislation that was proposed. Um, I, I probably wouldn't you wouldn't find this um, unusual, but it was proposed by uh, our incumbents um, in order to protect, uh, in my view, their market share. Uh, right. Com- competition's not a good thing when you're uh, in that business, and and um, the more competition, the more um, pressure on your mar to maintain your margins is there. And so they saw this uh, with a few communities providing their own um, municipal broadband networks in 2005. They thought they would get ahead of it and uh, propose this legislation. Of course, that legislation, when it was originally proposed, did not have this uh, this uh, election option. And our uh, Colorado Municipal League, uh, to their credit, fought this um, as it went through the General Assembly and at the uh, last hour, they were able to um, uh, to insert this amendment, uh, which has been very useful to our our state and our communities mm-hmm. in our state. Okay. Now Montrose is both a city, but it's also a county as well, right? Now, did you get your exemption for the city or from the or for the county? Hey, that's um, that's a great distinction. Um, I work for the city. Uh, this exemption is just for the incorporated areas of the city. Uh, the county of Montrose um, has not uh, made efforts to uh, to um, uh, exempt themselves. Um, counties all around us are planning to or already have. Uh, so it is just for the city. Okay. Now, in terms of the um, the application or the use of the network for a particular uh, outcome, 
what is the main driver? Are you, is it for economic development? Is it for telemedicine or all of the above? Um, how would you capsulize, you know, the main elevator pitch for why uh, you guys should and are planning to do this particular uh, network? Yeah, I think probably the biggest driver, as you as you mentioned, is economic development. Um, you know, it's actually uh, interesting. I, I just uh, was had the honor to to listen to uh, Mick Cornett, who's the mayor of Oklahoma City. Um, I'm not sure if you're aware, and I'm and I don't know where they stand on broadband right now, but they've got some great things happening in Oklahoma City and. Uh, he he made a, a statement that really stuck with me that uh, creating a city where people want to live is the key to economic development. And, and that really uh, encompasses the way that we look at um, what we're doing in Montrose. We want to build a very livable, high-quality-of-life city that people will want to flock to. And we have... Uh, we have all the natural resources around us. We're surrounded by mountains. Um, live in a Montrose is in a beautiful high mountain valley. Um, but when we look at what uh, what our uh, few blemishes are, the biggest one is our lack of affordable, uh, redundant um, uh, internet service or broadband services. And so, uh, folks that are thinking about uh, making a move to Montrose, um, where we weren't hearing this question five, ten years ago, uh, question of what is your Internet access like in Montrose. Uh, now when when pros- prospective families or prospective businesses are thinking about making the move, that's one of the top items on their list. Uh, when they're talking to realtors, that's one of the top items on their list. And people are selecting the neighborhoods they want to move into based upon the accessibility of of uh, affordable, abundant internet. Mm-hmm. Well, that I mean that makes sense. Obviously, there are a lot of places. Um, the uh, economic re- uh, impact is based on the fact that companies and people want to move in. Uh, to your in, into your area, and um, I would ex- and now I, I had this conversation with uh, the mayor of Chattanooga on the show uh, a few months ago, and uh, you know he was going saying that you know it's a it's a value that won't necessarily end when lots of other communities will also have the um, technology. And I think that's a good point to make because people are talking about, you know, it's a it's a it's an economic driver and it's a thing that sets your town apart and so forth and so on. And then the sort of the un- understood question is, but what's going to happen when you know everybody has it, and then what are you going to do? And I think that the, the the mayor's response was that, you know, as more communities uh, develop this capability the ability for the communities to communicate and grow with each other as a result of each other's ideas and and opportunities and businesses and so forth and in different lo- you know located in those different com- uh, communities 
this becomes the economic value, say, two or three years when more communities have the the, the broadband. Um, would you would you assess that the same way? I I would absolutely concur with that. I you know I, I've been in the computer business for a long time and and uh you know one of those laws uh, that we kind of pay attention to in um, in networking is Metcalf's law Bob Net Bob Metcalf mm-hmm. um, you know proposed that uh the value of a network um uh um, is greatly increased with every addition additional node to that network exponentially increases the value of the network and i think that that law uh, has proven itself over and over um you know and so um your your visit with or your discussion with um the mayor from Chattanooga is absolutely right it it does increase value what we're doing in our region is looking at this regionally for that very reason. We, we uh, think, you know, uh, it's it's some value for the city of Montrose to be able to to uh, actually get a, a a very robust network here, but uh, it's much more of a value if we can say uh, I can communicate uh, with. Um, with our neighbors in, in communities throughout the region. Um, there's a very um, specific value in that through shared services agreements. We have some sm- very small communities that that um, are surrounding us, and we have made a, a real stand in our in our city to reach out and provide uh, services to those communities. Uh, we can't do that very well without those connections. And so uh, we can reduce uh, the impacts on our taxpayers through these shared service agreements where our IT staff can ramp up just a, a, a fractional amount and provide IT services, full broad-spectrum IT services, GIS services to our uh, surrounding smaller communities. So that's a, a real tangible uh, benefit for these um, these efforts to be not just uh, community specific, but regional in nature and um, interregional, intra-regional, and intra-regional. Mm-hmm. You know, and that actually brings up uh, my other, my next question. Um, at somewhere, I'm not sure which conversation we had, but I got the impression that um, one of the state agencies in Colorado has jumped into uh, supporting and funding uh, broadband efforts uh, throughout the, the state. And I think that the, I think the conversation was that that Montrose has taken advantage of that. And I wanted to just talk about this a little bit because I just wrote, like I mentioned, I just this report, which will be released later today, <coughs> called "Show Me the Hidden Money for Community Broadband," and I'm looking at different ways in which we can find new or different sources of revenue 
for for these networks. And one of the things I point out is that there are different state agencies that people need to be aware of because those agencies, whether it's because of economic development or just, you know, quality of life issues or whatever their motivation is as an, as an agency, they are looking to tie in uh, support of broadband as part of an economic development effort overall. So what's a little bit about, you know, the agencies or the one that you guys are working with and I get a little more more feedback about that. Sure. So um, a few years back um, at the governor's request, um, state staff, uh, economic development, uh, kind of an inter, um, interdisciplinary teams went, went out across the state and started talking to communities about what they needed, uh, what, what help the state could give uh, communities in, in helping them with their, um, um, their grassroots efforts uh, for economic development. Uh, in the state, and, and one of the resounding themes that came out from almost every corner of the state was broadband and the need to uh, make some inroads and to increase uh, the availability of broadband in our communities. Uh, so this is this has been a, a statewide conversation for some time. Um, mm-hmm. The state uh, took that information and started looking at opportunities that they might have. And in in our state, Colorado, we have a Department of Local Affairs, uh, which works with municipal and county governments, uh, local uh, governments throughout the state, mainly in the more rural areas where uh, resources are slim, where in some of these uh, cities you may have very few administrative staff that, uh, that need help and uh to to so they this agency does a lot of work in that realm and um but broadband is, had never been really on their focus they had uh provided some funding on some early projects um, the uh Southwest Colorado Access Network was an early um project that was funded through the Department of Local Affairs but it the uh, we call them DOLA, uh, the acronym DOLA. Um, DOLA had not uh, had a specific program, and the program um, that that um, the funding for this program for, for local governments comes through uh, energy impact, or it's, it's focused on energy impact, energy impacted counties. Uh, this money comes primarily from excise fees that are uh, paid by extraction industries, and it uh, collects a, a pretty good pot of money each year. And those, that money has traditionally been used for capital improvement projects like building police departments, fire stations, town halls, um, uh, big sewer plants, those type of big uh, infrastructure projects. And uh, as I said, broadband had not been uh, a real focus, but uh, the state said, okay, we have heard from throughout the state that broadband is a big issue. Let's focus a, pool of, a pot of money 
on broadband and see where that takes us. And so $20 million, uh, and you know how much uh, broadband projects cost, uh, Craig. Mm-hmm. $20 million is not a lot of money, um, but especially when you consider uh, 54 counties in Colorado and hundreds of communities. Um, but uh, they set aside this $20 million, advertised it, during the first round of uh, the advertisements, uh, Montrose in Delta counties uh, through our local, our regional economic development council, Region 10, um, was in the right place at the right time, and we put together a uh, proposal uh, for that. And uh, we're actually successful on that project. Um, we are going to be receiving $5.6 million in grant funding um, over the next, that needs to be spent in the next two years. Mm-hmm. And this is part of that uh, that $20 million, or it's a, it's a combination of that and some other grants? Actually, the, uh, the grant fund, um, uh, the $5.6 million is, is uh, out of that $20 million pot, so our two counties is uh, been earmarked for a big part of that twenty million. We hope that um, once that twenty million is expended throughout the state, that more will be forthcoming. We we hope um, that our project uh, is an early win for the state. This shows um, the tremendous value of providing some investment from the state level into our local communities. And so we hope for uh, further funding of that broadband, um, uh, that broadband uh, Department of Local Affairs funding. Um, the the third round of um, I believe the third round is is uh, upcoming. We're expecting to expand Region 10 covers six counties. Our first Phase One project was uh, specifically addressed for the two counties that were ready to move forward or communities within the two counties, not um, um, Montrose County did not choose to join in with us on this effort. So, uh, but we've got a lot of small communities that did and committed, pledged uh, their own funds uh, to, uh, to assist with that, as well as uh, something I think it will be very interesting to you and probably your listeners a local electric cooperative has joined in our efforts. And I know you have uh, addressed local cooperatives and their role in uh, municipal broadband. And so we're very pleased, um, our local cooperative, um, Delta Montrose Electric Association, had uh, previously approved a a, uh, communications network extending their fiber throughout all of their uh, electric substations throughout eastern Montrose County and all of Delta County. And that was about a $3.5 million investment that they made. Uh, We have uh, actually uh, made agreements with DMEA uh, where we can use a portion of their fiber. Uh, We're going to provide them a portion of our fiber to extend that network out. Um, this project is is really a middle mile project. It's it's really its intent is to uh, to uh, lower our wholesale costs 
in Montrose and Delta counties to what you would see in a, a large urban area. So uh, by by eliminating transport costs, by owning the fiber all the way to uh, to internet points of presence, uh, we're able to um, our business model shows us uh, actually bringing those wholesale costs down to our local ISPs, to our uh, community anchor institutions, uh, down to levels that um, put us on a level playing field with the large urban areas. And that's where we've been uh, so, it's been so difficult to compete. Mm -hmm. Let's, um, I, I want to break down a little bit here this question of, um, uh, you know, funding for, for broadband. Um, there are, I think, a general uh, awareness that the the money question, where do we get the money from for broadband, is a big gating factor with whether or not communities will move forward. And uh, I have to wonder how easy or difficult is it to pull together um, the funding when you have to get several entities to kind of come together Right, because then I, I bring this up again uh, in, in my report. Uh, one of the sponsors is Sci-Fi uh, Networks, and they, similar to Macquarie, are going into a area, a regional area, or a you know a larger uh, populated area, and say, you know, we're going to create a um, fund to cover the entire build out. And, you know, there are there are people who say, well, that's like like that's the, the holy grail. You know, you only have one check, one master to resolve, you know, issues with and and move forward. Um and I, I don't I don't uh, I don't uh you know have issues with that per se. But I think a lot of other communities are in a position where they have to find multiple sources, and just how difficult is that? Do you think? <laughs> well, it's certainly not for the meek of heart. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's um, uh, these are big projects. These are expensive projects. But you know, uh, that's one area where I disagree with the arguments of the incumbents that uh, we have no business being in a high-tech field um, of, of broadband. Um, you should leave it to the experts. Well, I'll tell you what, we are experts in public <laughs> infrastructure. We have been doing it for well over 100 years, and we think that we know what we're doing, that we have the community trust. And um, But from a funding standpoint, it uh, we don't limit ourselves, especially in the city of Montrose, to to look at any one pot of money. Um, certainly, uh, risk and reward uh, equations you have to think about uh, if you're uh, depending on someone else's money. Uh, what are the risks of that? Uh, will they always be around? And uh, 
it probably depends on uh, the contractual agreements with you that you have with those, but we've all seen the challenges with some of these projects that were well-intentioned and, uh, and they've become the poster children for or the, the poster children for the incumbents to say, you know, see, we told you that this wouldn't work. But I think there have been more and more um, success stories with uh, folks that come in that have uh, uh, backing from uh, uh, private equity that can come in and, and see communities as a great place to invest. And, and that makes that makes me proud that that uh, that we're getting that type of uh, exposure. Yeah, in Montrose's case, um, you know, it's still yet to be seen whether we will need to do that. Uh, of course, we're looking at, um, as I said, any any opportunity to fund this. We we think that um, if we can find the funding through. Uh, through funding that we already have. One one area, and, and I don't know if I've ever uh, seen you cover this, Craig, but one uh, innovative way that we're looking at that we've actually funded some projects, uh, not broadband specifically, but other um, public infrastructure projects, is to um, use um, reserve funds in our enterprise funds within the city uh, an <laughs> enterprise fund if uh, if you're not aware is a uh, is a um, is a fund within a, a, a local government's um, budget a separate fund that is run like a business so you have fees coming in that pay for the infrastructure uh, an enterprise fund an example would be a water system or a uh, waste water system. Um, mm-hmm. Those are those are enterprise funds. We we um, have we have been very um, good at managing those those funds at Montrose, and actually have a a good amount of money that's setting aside for future capital investment. Uh, we know that we've got a wastewater treatment plant that's going to need. Uh, to increase maybe 25%, uh, but it's it's not going to be done for another 10 years. So there's money setting in the bank. Um, I don't know how your uh, CDs are doing, but ours uh, aren't seeing a great deal of return right now. Mm. So what, what we're looking at doing and what we have done is is do an internal loan from uh, an enterprise Fund, using reserve funds that are set aside for future uh, capital expenditures, paying ourselves back at better than market rates. So it makes those funds, um, uh, the investment, we, we feel that we can trust ourselves and those investments that we make in ourselves are not putting our um, in enterprise funds at risk and uh, using that as a, a creative way of financing. Um, I, uh, you know, whether that is a one size fits all, probably not, but it is an innovative funding method that we're looking at. Will that fund our entire network if we choose to 
put a fiber to the premise network in? Um, probably not. Uh, so we will probably also need to look at um, we'll look at bonding, um, industrial bonds, perhaps. Um, but we think with our uh, this portfolio of investment back into our community, uh, we'll see uh, positive cash flows very quickly. Uh, won't put our um, our investments at risk. Um, uh, by having it fully funded by funds, and uh, I think it's the right approach. It's, uh, mm-hmm. uh, we're typically a pay-as-you-go community. We have very, very little debt, uh, uh, and uh, and it's a very conservative community. And so I think instead of going to the to our um, voters and saying, "Hey, would you be willing to fund?" Uh, a new tax. Um, I don't think there's an appetite for that in Montrose. Um, uh, we've done mm-hmm. that yeah. for for schools. We've done it recently for a recreation center. But um, we think that we have an alternative way of funding it, uh, which would be much more palatable. And uh, I think we'll be successful with that. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the things I bring up in the report is... Um, that people need to think differently about these these projects, right? Because I think people assume that one, if the, if if a consultant comes in and says it's going to cost you uh, twenty million dollars to build this network, then everything right. kind of goes into the mindset of oh, we got to raise all that money before we can have a network. And I think right. that. Um, this is er- erroneous. I mean, I think that the problem is that we need to think about it as you don't have to do it all at one time, that you can do this in phases in a number of different ways. And I think that that makes it easier for com- uh, cities like Montrose to come up with solutions then because we're not trying to to, to eat, eat the whole apple at one time. You know, and I, I, Absolutely. I, I got to believe that that's a, that's a thing. A- absolutely. I, I think uh, you have lots of, our, uh, for one thing, um, you know, if we've got 8,000 premises that we're building to, um, that's a big project. That's a huge project. And, and even some of the most aggressive uh, communities that are really going after this, uh, that are hiring uh, multiple contractors to come in, and roll out their network as fast as possible uh, wouldn't more than likely be able to build that those 8,000 premises in one year. So it's not something. It's going to be a multi-year project. Um, Mm -hmm. And as you consider um, the way that you roll that out, of course, demand aggregation strategies are important to look at uh, where uh, we, whether we want to build out in the areas where we have the most subscribers pre-signed for the service or whether we build out to our commercial districts. Um, the idea behind this is in your three, four, five-year build-out plan, uh, you want to get as much revenue coming in as fast as you can uh, mm-hmm. to start paying for those later phases. 
And so you're exactly right. It's not uh, like we think of building a new building or um, even a road project uh, where, you know, you typically going to start it and get it done and then you move in. Uh, this is something that you're going to roll out over a period of time with the intent that uh, your revenues will start soon, as soon as possible, and those revenues will pay for later stages. Um, you know, we're, we're seeing uh, projects and, and some of our studies are looking at um, cash flow positive in three years um, with, for instance, the DOLA project. We, uh, we're looking at the seed money that we're getting from the state, the, uh, the in-kind contributions from our local cooperative and our cash uh, matches from our communities as, uh, as, as the seed money to get this project started. Uh, but we certainly will be building off of this for years to come, and we'll take that the revenues instead of those revenues going away from our community in bills that we pay to incumbent producers, we're going to be plowing those revenues back into our community for years and years to come. So that's that's the real exciting of community municipal networks that I see. Instead of uh, being beholden to uh, stockholders of an incumbent uh, that are requiring 96% margins, um, we don't have that requirement. And so we're going to take that, those margins and plow them right back into our communities. Mm -hmm. uh, and that, that sounds good. I mean, it sounds like a very artful way to manage the project. And, and it has to be brought out that, you know, the, there's always a couple of, projects that don't do well, that becomes then the poster children for the incumbents to say, you know, this is why necessarily, you know, cities should not do these things. But I think that um, if you really look at the different communities across the country, you find more and more situations like you're describing where um, there have been creative ways to uh, finance these projects. We've looked at a phase-in approach. We've looked at, um, you know, making sure that your revenues are ma matching expenditures and so forth. And this kind of sound management is a thing that drives a lot of these um, in this full network, and I think that, that we know we as a, an industry, as uh, as as cities, we need to shout from the mountaintops that hey, you know, not only are we successful, here's why we are successful, and other people need to see that so that they can uh, slough off the uh, naysayers and get into the process and get into the, these projects. So I, I think that you're you know, you're you're right on with where you're going. And, uh, you know, I just heard that I heard you to not, you know, hide your light under a bushel and, uh, you know, talk about the, the, these kind of things. Now, one of the things that is in this uh, this report, uh, which will be at my website, 
cjspeaks.com is um, I talk about when communities do their needs assessment, they will uncover various needs uh, in uh, health care, in education, and, and so forth. And by finding these different needs, you then go out and try to figure out who's willing to fund the resolution of those needs. And I think it's a very different approach than saying, okay, well, we're going to do a bond. Not that there's nothing wrong with that, but, I mean, it's like they have two or three uh, avenues, and when both the, or all those avenues go away, no one can think anymore. It's like, well, we're done. We, we can't find a way. And, so, and I'm advocating that we need to look at the needs and then find people uh, who will meet that need. And, like, for example, in uh, there, there's an organization um, called Colorado Trust, which is a health foundation de dedicated to um, ending the inequalities that affect racial, ethnic, low incomes, and other vulnerable populations. And so my thing is, well, if if that if you identify um, a need to have health care going out to your low-income areas, go to an organization like Colorado Trust and present a proposal. I mean, they'll have all their, you know, re, uh, requirements and all those kinds of things, but you basically conform to whatever their, their needs are, and, um, and we all know what kind of outcome will be, but it's a way of saying, you know, let's let's package up our need, figure out how broadband is going to facilitate that meeting that need, and and go to a place such as Colorado Trust and make a payment, uh, make a proposal. And sometimes you have to do maybe a dozen or maybe you have to do several dozen but it's a very different approach, but I think it's one that would make sense. Now, I want to know, you know, from your perspective as a, you know, as a municipal person, does that kind of, you know, does it seem like a logical way to go? Um, absolutely. Um, I, I think that is, you're looking at, um, you know, what folks are, the, the problems that folks are trying that they're investing in, what they're working on. I've, um, in my role as uh, in innovation and citizen engagement, um, I I delve into areas of health equity. Uh, we're uh, traditionally um, um, the area of health and human services is in Colorado is a is a county uh, issue, but. We are very interested in the health of our citizens, and um, in fact, I uh, just received um, a recognition for our work as a um, heal community, heal city. And so, uh, there are lots of different uh, approaches to to um, funding. Um, I'm not one that necessarily goes out and chases grants. Uh, because I think um, you you really want to be uh, fully aware of what your 
vision is, what your objectives are, but where there is a nexus between your objectives and another entity's objectives, and you can share in um, and and collaborate on successful um, uh, initiatives that that um, solve both of those issues. Uh, why not? And uh, absolutely, I think uh, folks like the Colorado Trust are very interested in looking at health equity uh, in rural Colorado. And uh, what a better way! There, I can't think of a better way uh, to solve some of these issues, uh, such as access to healthcare in rural communities, where um, in Montrose uh, you actually have to go through two uh, counties. Uh, to stay on a state road uh, in the winter to get from one end of the county to the other. Uh, wow. And uh, and healthcare is very good in eastern Montrose County where I live, um, but it's difficult when you live on the west end um, over towards Utah. And uh, the the ability to use technology to make uh, to to lessen those impacts on health equity. Um, for our rural citizens is critical. And so that's another reason I am very interested in approaching this, not just from a municipal standpoint, but let's look at it from a regional and a statewide impacts and how can we solve these big issues that are difficult to solve uh, without the use of technology. Um, and so, uh, absolutely, you're absolutely on the right track. Uh, thinking uh, healthcare access, how we make that available, um, screening uh, radiological images, um, con consultations over high definition uh, teleconferencing, all of those require robust broadband networks, which typically aren't available, uh, just like uh, the uh, advanced healthcare. Uh, opportunities are not available in these rural communities. I think this is how we're going to solve that, though. Mm -hmm. Now, another thing, uh, you know, we were talking about branching out and thinking differently about these 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 kinds of projects. Um, I was happy to see, you know, that, that listen to you talking about the role of one of your co-ops. Um, I sense I have a strong belief, actually, that. Um, if you can marry the efforts of municipalities along with your co-ops in, in the state, that you can cover a fairly huge amount of the state with one of these, you know, broadband gigabit uh, infrastructures. Um, right. Because there are places where the um the, the co-ops are that there there may not be a municipal entity willing to 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 take that plunge uh in other places you know you may have um you know a place like montrose where uh the 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 the, the local government is willing to take on this effort and there may not be a uh, co-op that covers you know every uh, square inch of of the city or the county or what have you, right. 
And I think that when you bring those two together, it is a it has potential to really change, you know, or maybe move up another level this whole broadband uh effort. What what are your thoughts on I, that? Um I I completely agree. You know, the co op model um is one that is is uh perfectly suited uh, think about why we started co-ops in rural America. Uh, the electric co-op was started when um, you know a, a group of farmers uh, saw innovation, wanted to introduce innovation with through the use to make their uh, uh, to to increase their profits and their their revenues, and and so. Um, they formed these co-ops that actually, um, where where no one else was doing this, investor-owned utilities didn't see the value, um, uh, much like incumbents don't see a, a sufficient return on investment in rural communities. Co-ops uh, were the answer, and that's how we um, received our first electricity. In in it, it wasn't in the in the cities, in the rural cities. It was out in the country, and uh, and so broadband uh, is a perfect analogy of what was happening that, that was driving these co-ops. And so these co-ops already have uh, this mindset of, um, you know, it, it may uh, they 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 are in business to serve all their members at at, at an equitable price. Uh, if you live. 20 miles from town or one mile from town, um, you're going to pay the same amount for your electricity. And, and I think that's important. This equity issue is absolutely um, within the purview of co-ops. I think um, cooperating with co-ops from a city standpoint, um, you know, I think there's going to be challenges. You have got two different um, missions. Uh, our 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 uh, municipality has a different mission than our rural co-op, but I think we have a lot of similarities. We have, as I mentioned, the the benefit of having our rural um, rural community being able to communicate uh, with our um, more urban communities is is absolutely a requirement. And without the co-ops. Uh, to be able in I know in Montrose and Delta counties, without the co-ops doing this, I don't know who else is going to do it on the same scale. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the rub is uh, we've got to find a way that we can work together because our missions are different. Um, uh, we probably have the ability within Montrose to do this without them. Uh, I don't know if they have the ability in Montrose and Delta counties to do it without us, though, uh, because their revenues are going to come mainly from the urban areas where the density is high. And so um, without that cooperation between the co-op and the municipality, figuring out a way to work together, a business model that works for both, um, it's probably not going to happen in the rural areas. And that's, uh, I think that's the cold, hard facts. And and so in in our area, uh, we have started early and are continuing our dialogue 
as they are developing their business plan, we're developing our business plan. Um, we want to merge those two. I, I would like to see us merge those two to, to solve the issues that are important to both of us. For mm-hmm. me, it's digital equity, it's affordability, access to abundant uh, internet services, and, um, and uh, if we can come to um, a, a way to make that work, uh, and work together on it. I think that's a, the best of both worlds. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna we're gonna have to wrap this up in about two minutes. I want to ask this last question. Um, a year ago, there were eight or twelve communities that passed these uh, referenda, and one of the things that struck me was that there were liberal communities and conservative communities and somewhere in between and it seemed like there was no partisanship that there was at the local level there was definitely a bipartisan approach to this thing called broadband do you think that this is going to increase number 1 and number 2 uh, will this straight uh, will raise up a little bit to the state level? <laughs> this part of this. <laughs> well, I, I've, I've, um, I'll, I'll speak to your second part first. Um, we've we've been working since uh, Senate Bill 05-152 is a state issue, state law. Um, we've been looking at ways of uh, lessening the impacts on that, um, and it's been tough. And, and that I would is not. Um, a nonpartisan issue. It has been very partisan. Um, the lobbying that's going on uh, makes it very partisan for the statewide issues. And I think that's why you're going to see a groundswell of communities that are exempting themselves, uh, taking uh, a very local approach to this, uh, looking for local solutions. And I think that's where we're going to find success, not necessarily on big statewide initiatives. I think when you try to take on a statewide initiative, uh, the unforeseen consequences of those can be huge. Right. So we're, I'm, I'm uh, actually not so interested in big statewide initiatives uh, since we have this ability. Uh, but absolutely locally, I think it is a, it's a, it, it really brings both sides of um, uh, the political spectrum together because it's a no-brainer. It's a mm-hmm. value that we all share. We all want to uh, have a place um, to live that our children and grandchildren want to live and that we can attract them back. Um, if they decide to move away, we want to have uh, a, a community where they want to come back to. And without broadband, that's probably not going to happen. And with this, we're going to have to close it off but uh, Virgil, thank you very much for your time and your insights, and uh, I wish you much luck with all of your upcoming broadband initiatives. And send to you, Craig, and thanks for your efforts. Uh, we've really gained a lot from uh, what you've done for us. All righty. So we'll be on, on the air again uh, later this week, so have a great uh, day. And we'll talk again soon.